This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, true pilot stories from the world of general aviation. In this episode, a 182 pilot discovers that fuel gauges don't always tell the whole story. Grab your dipstick and check it yourself in Sputtering Into Vegas by Dave Houghton. Fall is a wonderful time to fly in the Rocky Mountains. The summer thunderstorms have moved on, the air is clear and cool, and aspen trees splash electric gold across the landscape. My business partner August and I were scheduled to attend an engineering conference in Las Vegas, so we planned on flying there from our town of Gunnison, Colorado, in my Cessna 182 RG Turbo. Sierra Fox was a stock 182, a strong and steady bird. At the time of this flight, in September 2007, it had conventional analog steam gauges, and the pride of the Navcom stack was a King 89B GPS with a tiny orange dot matrix screen. I had just over 400 hours total time, and although I was VFR only, I had more than 300 hours of flying in and around the mountains and canyons of Colorado, Utah, and Nevada. So this trip was well within my comfort zone. I plotted a straight-line course to Henderson Executive, but figured that we might wander a bit to get a good view of Grand Canyon, only a dozen or so miles off route to the south. Our standard pre-flight included fuel to the bottom of the necks by the FBO line crew, which gave us about 75 gallons usable based on our paint stirrer dipstick. Flight planning in those pre-iPod days involved the plotter, sectionals, tape, and a calculator. The direct route added up to about 425 nautical miles, which would require 2 hours and 45 minutes at 155 knots and some 47 gallons of avgas. Although the pilot's operating handbook said the airplane should cruise at about 15 GPH, a few years of Phillips had taught me that it actually burned more than 17. This all added up to nearly two hours of extra fuel, plenty to handle some scenic diversion and a bit of wind on the nose. We stowed our bags and were soon on our way up and over western Colorado. 
Once past the Cones VOR, the terrain falls away to the sculpted canyon country of the Navajo Nation. I could tell from our GPS ground speed that we had a headwind. Not unusual for that flight direction. I headed for Page, Arizona, where Glen Canyon Dam marks the start of Grand Canyon. We skirted just north of the special-use airspace that covers the most noise-sensitive parts of the National Park. For about 20 minutes, we tracked along the north rim of the canyon, making sweeping turns to take in the amazing scenery. Eventually, the canyon opened out toward Lake Mead, and we resumed our direct course to Henderson. This is about when I started to wonder about our fuel situation. The headwind had been persistent, and our ground speed had stayed around 140 knots, sometimes lower. The fuel gauges on the 182 are notoriously inaccurate, and we had no fuel flow meter, so it was all about doing the math. I knew that we could cash in altitude for airspeed on the descent into Vegas, but we were already past three hours of flight time and still some 70 nautical miles from our destination. As we began our descent, our speed picked up, but the fuel needles were both hovering close to the little red stripe that indicates zero. My pal August had flown with me several times before and was reasonably confident in me as a pilot, but he couldn't help noticing the situation and said, Um, do you see this? Is this okay? My response was a quick, Those gauges don't really tell the story. We should have plenty of gas. With my limited information, all I could do was project confidence, but I was a bit worried. Our descent path actually did give us another option. Boulder City Airport, 13 nautical miles east of Henderson, was about five minutes closer, but a bit offline. I weighed the option of landing, fueling, and then taking off for the seven-minute flight to our destination. It didn't seem like things were quite that dire, so I soldiered on, although I kept a beady eye on BVU as it passed by on our left. Almost there. I checked in with Henderson Tower and got my instruction to enter a long left base for 1-7 right. Coming up to the turn from base to final, we were still uncomfortably distant from the numbers. I had not informed Tower of our fuel situation, which still did not seem to qualify as an emergency. As I entered the bank for final, the Lycoming coughed and sputtered, a sound I had never heard in any plane while airborne and hoped to never hear again. The engine stuttered through the turn, and then as I leveled out for final, it came back to life. A minute later, we were squeaking the tires onto pavement and taxiing for the FBO and a long drink of 100 low lead. August and I exchanged relieved looks, and I admitted that I had obviously cut it too close. When we finally refueled, the airplane took on nearly 70 gallons to our usual fill level. Lessons learned. 1. Bottom of the necks is less than 75 gallons of usable. Dipsticks are sketchy. 2. Top off for a long flight. I could have put in another 45 minutes worth in those tanks when we departed with no worries about weight. 3. Headwinds and off-course diversions can add up to more fuel than you think. 4. Banking the airplane can starve the engine when things are getting bony. 5. Better to spend an extra half hour for a fuel stop than run dry. 
even if it's spitting distance from your final destination. Six, apply caution in inverse proportion to the accuracy of your fuel measurement devices. Ten years and 300 flying hours later, I applied those lessons on a routine flight from Los Angeles to San Luis Obispo, our new home, in a Mooney M20K, our new ride. This time it was high fuel prices in Burbank and a 25-knot headwind that had me running low. Cruising along at 6,500 feet, I did not desire an intermediate stop, especially with gusty crosswinds at Santa Inez below me. But that little voice told me to cut the power, put it down, and fill it up, which is what I did. So should you. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out AOPA's mobile flight planning app, AOPA Go, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.